Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Amen. Well, th- this is great. I'm, here's the, I, I don't usually tell you the title of my messages, but I, I've really worked hard on getting a title. If I could get a title, maybe I could get a message, Lord. You know, sometimes, you know, you can have a message, but the messenger is not great. I've le- realized that. Uh, God gives people amazing messages to give to other people, but sometimes a messenger is not so amazing. So stick with the message, not the messenger. Uh, but the title was this, The Call to Choose, Embracing the Power of us to Determine Our Destiny. Isn't that a great title? That's what I want to talk to you about, literally. Uh, the call, the call to choose. Embracing the power within us to determine our destiny. Now, let me give you a Did you get that? Let me give you a scripture on it. Ephesians three twenty through 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly be all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, and so just to kind of refresh your mind, that's right there at the end of chapter 3 in, in the book of Ephesians. And the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are all about our spiritual uh, inheritance, our spiritual blessings in Christ. And so Paul gives this amazing, you know, lays out, uh, you know, what God has for each, each person, each believer, throws in two prayers so we'll get it, okay? And then he gives this amazing doxology, and I've shared all this with you, but God's even able to do above and beyond this, God is like this outrageous God who can do beyond our thing. And I heard a preacher one time say this, and it made me mad when he said it. He said, God's able, but that doesn't mean he will. And that frustrated me because that is not what Paul was trying to tell us. Paul was not trying to to tell us that we have a stingy God, that we have a God that's holding back on us. No, Paul was saying we need to reach into what God has for us. We need to reach into it. And so we can walk in it and have it. And then the chapter 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians is about the first thing Paul says is walk worthy of everything he told us. In ver- in, you know, and then he goes through that. Amen. Let me read this thing I read yesterday or a couple of days ago. Uh, this is from the, I read it on the news actually. Every once in a while you read something that's really right. You know, it may have not have been the regular news. I don't remember which one because I don't really watch the news because I can't stand listening to lies all the time. You know, I like to listen to the truth. But this is amazing here. The Bible Recap, a short daily podcast that follows a chronological Bible reading plan is the number one podcast in all categories on Apple Podcasts. Isn't that amazing? The number one of all, it's talking about not just Christians, it's talking about all podcasts. This Bible recap, I've never heard of it. I don't really listen to a lot of these things. Uh, then I'm going to read the rest of it. Creator Tara, Tara Lee Cobble celebrated the news in an Instagram post on New Year's Day. She said, I've never dreamed we'd be the number one podcast in all categories. 
When I started this project in 219, I prayed that it would reach 300 people. But God has grown it into something far greater than I could ever imagine. Isn't that incredible? I mean, so it really reflects that scripture. But it also, another beautiful thing is it tells me there's a hunger for the word of the Lord. There's a people are there's people and I promise you there's people don't even know the Lord that are interested in the Bible, interested in what God has to say. That's hopeful, isn't it? That's very hopeful. And it really is what Paul's talking about there, that God's able to do, because she was saying in three maybe she had she figured she had three hundred people in her circle of influences, you know, that she could reach reach and hopefully they would listen to her podcast. But I don't know how many people. I didn't look. I mean, it's probably thousands and thousands because a lot of people, you know, Joe Rogan has millions of people. Uh, you know, anyways, you know. Yes, more than that, exactly. Well, um, I wanted to, I'm going to keep going on this. I'm going to read you two prophetic words that were given to me. Now, before I read them, I want to tell you this. Don't assume anything with me reading them. Don't come to a conclusion in your mind, Okay. Okay, they're really short words. Uh, The first one is this. God bless you, Byron. I'm in Switzerland and was just thinking of you. God bless and seek big things from God. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Bobby Connor. Everybody knows, well, most of you know who Bobby Connor is, a real prophetic guy. He sent that to me. Here's another one. Uh, Think big. Be big. God has big things. Uh, That came from Percy Burns. How many people know Brother Percy? He's amazing. He's probably the best pastor on record. Best pastor in my life I've ever had. I mean, as far as somebody who can really pastor, a real, that guy could, in five minutes, he could shepherd you right into what the heart of God. I mean, literally. I mean, I was totally, I mean, it was three times in my life. Percy Burns. Three times in my life that I was in a, really needing something from the Lord and needing some wisdom from God, he just gave it to me. And this was one of them, just right before I came here. Um, you know, a couple, and I don't really have this one written down because I don't remember the exact words, but a couple son, uh, months ago, I think it was in December, at the Friday night worship, this lady came up and wanted to pray for Becky and I and uh, said, I have this word from the Lord from you. And, um, you know, Here's what got my attention because I was when it was in there worshiping. I was going through some things in my mind, and the first thing she started praying for me was everything I was thinking about in my mind. You know, so immediately I felt like God wants to talk to me through this woman because it was like she knew what I was thinking, okay, and began to actually counter the negative thoughts that I was having in my mind about my past. She began to say things about my past, and then she sort of gave some of these words. Um, you know, which, like, we were just amazed. She didn't really know we were, she, later, after she was done, she asked Becky who we were. She didn't know we were the pastors here. It wasn't like she was trying to, you know, do what people do sometimes. But she was just said, I was here, and I looked at you, and I kept thinking all night, I, I had something for you. So, but I think this is the thing I wanted to bring out. Not big things for me, okay? But big things from God, Do you hear what I'm saying? Not big things from me. Because it's easy to take words like that and make it about yourself. Okay? It really is. Not about us, is it? 
None of this is about us at the end of the day. Now, we are included in it because we're children. Okay? But I think it's not about us. But God wants to do big things. Okay? And that now when he says, to him be the glory. You see, God wants to do big things in everybody's life. But it's all to the glory on any, any day. Uh, when the apostles got knocked to the ground, the Lord, you know, had this great, amazing thing. But the Lord didn't say, Paul, you're going to be amazing. You're going to be influential. Everybody's going to love you. You're going to have the gift. You know what he said to him? Paul, you're going to suffer many things for the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what he said to him, the earth. Okay? I mean, he became everything that we would dream big. Okay? But really what God said, you're going to, you're going to go through some stuff because of what I've been doing in your life and the message that countless, countless believers, countless amazing believers, embracing preachers, worship leaders, just everyday preachers have sought after prominence. They've sought after influence. And it didn't end well with them. I mean, talking from the Lord, but because the desire for the spotlight, the desire to be something, to desire for them to be causing moral, moral failure, all kinds of other failure, and disrupted the plan of God for their life. Wouldn't we all agree? We don't want to live our lives. Do we want to live that way? No, we want to, we want to live our lives. God is able to do above and beyond what we're asking or thinking. We want to step out of this thing where we feel corralled and we feel in. There's a season where the Lord will hit in and put you in a tight space. But there's this experience. Our spiritual life comes up to, well, you know, back in the day, um, Everybody, Michael Jordan was like the most of him. Their game went up. And see, that's what God, that's what Jesus did. He came and said, I'm going elevate, to elevate with me. See, you see what I'm saying to you? That, that's the heart of God the Father. Okay? Things, we go through stuff. Things don't work out. We begin to question, did we ever hear the Lord in the first place? Right? I've had, hey, you're going to promised land. That's where you're headed. Where do they go? Into the desert. Right? You know, there's always that, that wilderness between what God said. It's necessary for us to protect us, to protect us for making it about us. Right? And, and, and causing us to fail. Because God doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to be successful and, and to be in life. You know, Paul gave this uh, he, in Ephesians, and he said, we, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly place. And then he, and in chapter 2, in verse 10, he said, you've got this amazing, God's created this amazing path for you to walk on. A path of good works is one of the translations. That he's created for you to walk on so you can fulfill the destiny that God placed you on this earth for. That's, that's what, what God's all about. And he's done that for each of us. Each God that's amazing because each of us are carrying this beautiful thing inside of us. Okay. Becky and I were talking this morning, you know, about some of the current situations going on in the church in the past year or so of, of some pretty distressing news uh, in the church world out there, of leaders that have really fallen and ministries that are being diminished, that have been successful for years and years and really brought a lot to the Lord, but right now they're going through. And it's like, and, it's, and it really is a true, that Andy and I were talking about this week, when the Lord's moving, you think it's always going to be like that. You, okay, this is the future. It's going to be alive. We're going, and we start building our lives around this future that we think is going to be there, but it's not. 
because it, there's a time to an end. You know, there's a time when that all diminishes. And where God is, it's like a new time, new season. And Beggy brought up the point is that God, if God's put something in all of us, okay, this thing where we, we're, we can't be stagnant, we can't stagnate in anything. There, he's put this be- desire for beauty inside of us to, to, to explore and to create and see, see things grow and develop. And that, that's part of it. And part of it is there's times and seasons for everything. God raises up and God brings down. And we have to flow with him. And if we can flow with him in it, we'll always be in, in the right place at the right time. Are y'all with me this morning? Say this, God's view of what is big is, or important is rarely ours. God's view of what is big and important is rarely ours. And in Mark 12, this is what was going on. Jesus and his disciples were watching people give money. And an old woman, a widow came and gave two copper coins. They call them the widow's mites. And this is what Jesus said that. He said she gave more than everybody because she gave everything she had. She gave it all. Do you see the difference? As one famous preacher said, when the saints go marching in, the millionaire saints that have given and given and given, that'll be at the front of that line because she gave way more than any of them. Do you see what I'm? What my point is, is God's view of big is not our view of big. Now everybody, hey, let's get some millionaires, man. They have a generous heart. That's that's not a put down on that. That's, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. I'm just saying from God's perspective, and that's where we have to be careful, because we're looking for something that's big in our eyes, and God might say, you know what, the big thing is is not really what you're looking for. It's not multitudes of people. It's that one person. I love that, that joy, that the one person. If every one of us in this room could begin to look at the one person that God puts in front of us, the world would be changed. I mean, I think that's it. I think that's a key, and, and that can multiply into multitudes. Are, are y'all good with that now? Listen to this. Think big, but smart start. Small, think big. God's big, think big. But you have to be willing to start small. Okay? This is Luke 16.10, the first part of it mainly. The was faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. Okay? You got to be faithful to what you have. What has God given you? What has God put in you? You know, when I was coming along, the three things that everybody would always say when they talked about this was your time, which is right. That's a big deal to us, our time, your talents, your gifting, your times, your talents, and your money, treasure. And right, right, those are three important things in our life, right? Your money's important to you. If it's not, give it to me. (laughs) It'll be important to me. You know, I got to eat, you got to eat. We, we got kid, grandkids that need to be cared for, right? But I'll tell you another thing that I've added in my life, and, and I think we all would be wise to add it, is your relationships. You know, people that God brings into your life are important. And the, more, the further I've gone, the more I begin to cherish my, the people that God's put in my life, realizing that God brought them people into my life because I needed them people probably more than they needed me, you know? And I'm, and I'm talking about family, of course. Obvious, obviously, that's like a no-brainer. 
That's important. But it's also the other people that God brings into your life. I'm going to tell you one thing about people, y'all. You may not always have them. You hear what I'm saying? You may not always have them. And you'll have the memories of them, which is sweet. But you might not have them. So what I've tried to do, and I'm, I'm learning to do this, is cherish people right now. Cherish and not think about, you know, think over them or take them for granted. And I, I really think if we'd do that, God would really help us a lot in, in, in relationships and keep us from getting divided and, and being, you know, being messed up relational because that can mess, mess everything up. Um, I think, you know, in Matthew 5, no, no, no. Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents, you know. Uh, five-talent guy, two-talent, one-talent guy. And see, so here's the problem with the one-talent people is be careful if you feel like I'm that one. I don't really have that much. You can talk yourself out of giving anything and doing anything with your talent. You see, that's the downfall of the one-talent person is they buried their talent. And, and, the, and the whole point was it didn't work well for them. They buried it because they had a wrong view of their master. They saw their master as being hard. And you know what the master said? Well, if you see me that way, that's the way I'll be to you. And the way we see God affects everything. If we see God big and God is generous and God is loving, we're going to respond, you know, like that. So I've often heard people, and I've probably said it myself. I did say it for years about certain people in my life. that, Oh, when, I'm, when I get successful, this is the things I'm going to buy for my daddy. Well, my daddy died. I never bought any of it for him. Because I never got I never got to the place I could get the things for him that I wanted for him. Okay? But this is what I didn't do. I didn't get him the little things while he was still here. Are you hearing me? Don't think because you don't have much you can't give. And I'm not at, I'm not talking about giving at church. I'm just talking about in general. When you have little, give little. That's all God asks for from you. If you all if all you have is a little bit to give, give the little you have. Don't, wait, don't say, I'm, when I get this, when I get wealthy, I'm going to give to the church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, do it today. Do your little bit. Well, all I can give is $5. Awesome. In God's eyes, that's a lot. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I want you to hear the heart of this. I'm not trying to get money out of you. Same thing with your time. Same thing with your talent. Not just church, everywhere you go. Be a generous person with your life. Let other people in. Becky might fuss at me on that. About my neighbors. I was going to say with your neighbors. I'll let her do that for me. <laughs> I serious. Anyways. Yeah. God loves a cheerful giver is what the Bible says. Okay. So here's another one. Okay. And then I'm going to move over to, to the book of Joshua. Okay. I'm going to read this story. Our, let me, this is important. Our lives are shaped by the choices we make. Our lives are shaped by the choices we make. Let me read this little story in Joshua 1, verse 12 through 16. It says, But to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you. Beyond the Jordan. That's tragic. 
right there is a tragic word. Beyond the Jordan, not in the promised land. But you shall cross ahead of your brothers in battle formation. All your valiant warriors shall help them. In other words, you can have the land on the other side of the Jordan, but your, your, your men have to go help the rest of Israel get their land. Okay, that was, that's fair. Until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you, and they, and they also possess the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you may return to your land and take possession of that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the towards the sunrise. They answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us to do, we will do. So they did it. So basically what it was, let me give you some background. These guys were, live, these were like ranchers, these tribes were. They were ranchers. They had livestock. They had sheep and cattle, all kinds of stuff. So when they came, before they got there, before they, Israel got to, to this point, to, ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land, they had seen the land on the, on the west side of the river and the land was fit for cattle. The land was, was fit for grazing and raising livestock. And they went to Moses and said, we, want the, we don't want to live in the promised land because this land over here is suitable for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And at first Moses got upset with them and went after them. I think this is in Numbers. I think it's where, where they... Moses got upset with them. And then they had this conversation and Moses relented. And said, okay, if that's what you want, God will relent with us, y'all, about our choices. If that's what you want, then give it to you, and I'll even bless it. Moses said, bless, bless them to take that land. But I'll tell you something. It was a mistake. It was a terrible mistake. Because if you go and study the rest of the story, here's what this land was. This land, actually the land today would be Jordan, okay? That's, that's the land they're talking about, be the country of Jordan. Um, so the, once everything was settled back, I think, Joshua 25, those guys went home, and arguments immediately began between everybody on the west side and the east side. Immediately, it caused division, okay? It caused division because they didn't choose to go in. They didn't choose to go after everything God had. So they, they had this division. They had this disagreement. They had misunderstanding. And, you know, fortunately Joshua was still there and he was able to settle it. You know, settle it. Everybody comes to an understanding. We're all good. Let's just keep doing what we're supposed to do kind of thing. Um, but if you go on and look at it, they were the, actually the first tribes that when the Syrians attacked Israel later on, they were the first ones to go in captivity. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? They were the first ones to go into captivity. And if you go, and, and really what you look at, if you look at, if you study the Bible, if you go through it, trying to understand what impact did these people have on the destiny of Israel in the Old Testament, is pretty much, there's pretty much nothing there in the Bible. They pretty much disappear from the pages of the Bible. Right there. Right there in the book of Joshua. They show up in Judges a little bit. Joshua judges. But really, they really never had the impact. And if you shoot over into the New Testament, this is, this is funny, man. You go over to the New Testament, okay? Mark 5, Jesus decides, hey, let's go to the other side of the Galilee, okay, one day. Read Mark 5, it's beautiful. Let's go over there. 
He goes over there. Guess what happens? A guy who's naked and got legions of demons in him meets him. No, a guy nobody could tame. They said he lived in, in, the, in the graveyard. That was what was there. Really, really is the only, it was really, really the only uh, non-Jewish place that Jesus really went to to minister to. It was called the Decapolis because there was 10 cities there. You see what I'm saying? Their history, because of their choice, their choice has ruined them. It ruined them. It ruined the destiny that God had for them. Uh, are y'all all right? So here, don't settle for less than God's best. They liked, they liked what they saw. They thought it was good. It works for us. Why not? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Oh, this looks good. This, this, hey, I like this. This is cool. This is good. Well, you know, Lord, we're good with this. You're settling for less. You're settling for less than God's best. And lots of times we do that because we get impatient. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because you, God has spoken to you. God's put something in you. God's given you a call. You're not getting there fast enough like you think you can outrun God or you're, you're smarter than God. Okay? And so you're trying to press in to have that thing and you keep pressing and you might get a little measure of it and accept that. Am I talking to anybody in this room besides me? I've already done all this, y'all. And, and I've got scars all over my body to prove it. You pay a price when you press into something and accept less than God has for you because you get impatient or you think it's better for you. Settling for less. Okay, are we good? I'm almost done. Okay, that's another thing. Don't settle for less than God's best. In other words, you know, God, if God has spoken the word, it's going to come true. It's going to happen. And no matter what anybody does, you're the person who will affect it, not other people. If somebody else delays it for you, don't worry. God has an acceleration. He has a big foot. He put the gas down when he needs to and speed you to the, to the place you need to go when you need to be there. I know this is not really like, oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's all going to happen now. Okay, here's the other one you got to do. You have to own your choices. If you don't own your choices, you become a victim. Okay, you become a victim. And when you become a victim, you lose your freedom. You lose your creativity because you're living in bondage to somebody else's choice. Now, listen, there's a lot of things that happen in life that we don't have a choice in. Okay, like taxes, for instance. I don't like taxes. I don't think we should have taxes like we have. I think they're wrong. I think they should be different. I don't have a problem with paying taxes, but I think what they're doing now is ridiculous. Besides, I don't want to fund war. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not in, you know, doing all this war and all this stuff that we fund and calls, and I'm just not into that. And there's a lot of things our government funds that I don't believe we should be funding. Not God's calling on this country. God's calling on this country is the gospel. And it's to provide gospel. It's to provide for other nations to have, to bring the poor into the house of God. That's the best thing the United States could ever do is stop all this stuff and start trying to help other countries know the Lord and help them get on their feet properly. But that's another story. But 
we do have a choice in the situation that's been handed to us. You hear what I'm saying? We respond to other people's choices that may hurt us. We still have a choice of how we respond. And that's really the test for all of us, isn't it? The test for all of us is, is when something happens outside of our control that impacts us, how are we going to respond to it? So you do have a choice of that. You can get angry, you can get mad, you can get bitter, you can get into unforgiveness and all those things. You can be hateful, you can run away. You know, we have a choice in this. Are y'all, mm-mm, I ain't asking, I am not asking you. No, sir. I got fussed at when I got home Sunday. Becky watched it on, Becky watched it every Sunday because she wasn't feeling well. And I got home, the first thing she said to you, I wish you would stop being so mean to them. I'm thinking mean. What am I talking about mean? I wasn't mean. Like you kept saying that. So I'm not saying so. Y'all can tell. You can tell. Even when she wasn't here, she was trying to protect you from me being mean. <laughs> right, Becky? It's true. You said that. I didn't think I was being mean. Like I say, sometimes the message is right, but the messenger is not right. Just stick with the message. So own your choices. It's important. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's important for us to own our choices. I will never, I'll say this, I'll never forget the day driving here, this is years ago, when the Holy Spirit said, I was going through some misery in my life from my childhood. And this is what I heard as clear as a bell. When are you going to stop blaming your parents for your problems? And you know what I said to the Lord? Right now. Because I knew that was a moment when he was inviting me to let them off the hook. And take responsibility for what I've done since then and get things, let him get things right in me. And it freed me. It freed me. And now my, the longer my parents are gone, the better they are. The better I see in them. I forgot all the bad, you know, what I thought was bad. All right, this is the last one. This is the, one of the, what I want you to get. Now, listen, remember, God wants to do big things with us. Okay? It's not about us. We had to choose to let him. We had to not be like the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe. We, we had to decide, are we going to go all the way in with God? Are we going to enter into everything Paul talked about in Ephesians? All the spiritual blessings. Are we going to really go after this? Are we going to be those Christians like, we're good. We'll live close to them. We'll live on the border of all that. We would like to hang around those kind of people. Do you know people like, maybe we were those kind of people. Like, oh, I love going over there. Those people are on fire for the Lord. I'm on fire. No, I just like being around them. I like their fire. I like the way they know the Lord. Am I talking to you? Maybe we should say, maybe I need to get my own fire. Maybe I need to start knowing the Lord. One of the best things the Lord ever did in my life, he he allowed me to be absolutely crushed as a young person. Crushed. Okay? But here was the the outcome of the crushing. I realized that my relationship with the Lord was built on what everybody else was doing. I was one of those people living on the border. That's what I realized. And I made a decision in my life. I'm not going to be that no more. I'm going to find the Lord for myself. I'm going to get the Lord. And I'm going to have a relationship with the Lord. And God and God's presence and what God has for me is going to be the most important thing in my life from this point on. 
And I've done that mostly. I mean, it's been kind of a mess, but I'm a mess. I'm the messed up messenger, okay? But it's the truth. And that's what God is trying to draw us all into. That's really it. I didn't understand all that back then. It took me a long time to really kind of process all this. Let me hurry up because we're doing prophetic ministry today, right? So if you want a word, man, that's those words. Don't let yourself be talked out of the prophetic. Don't despise the prophetic because there's a trick to it. The devil's always trying to get us to despise. Don't do it. But God, listen to this. God has a way of making miracles out of mistakes. This is what I love. He has a way of making miracles out of my mistakes. Okay, see, here's the thing, okay? Uh, we've all messed up, right? We've all made wrong choices. We've all did bad things. We've all thought bad things. We've all fell into temptations, right? Anybody not? I mean, don't lie to me. We've all given in to things we shouldn't have. But here's the beauty of this. God knew that. He knew you were going to mess up. He knew. When he called me to be a speaker, he knew there's going to be times when you're going to be a mess. I know that, Byron. I know that about you. But I have made provision for that. I have a plan already in place. That's not going to stop my ultimate plan for y'all. I have a plan. I knew it. I built it into the plan that you are going to mess up and wander around here for a few days or years or whatever it is for anybody. In brokenness, maybe you're in sin. God said, I had a plan all the way, and that did not disqualify you. That did not disqualify you. He knew that when he looked at you and said, I want that person as my child. And he saw, oh, they're going to mess up. But don't, no worry, I'm planning that mess up into my plan for them. It's not that it gives us an excuse to be sinners. Of course it doesn't. We're not. Dude, you don't want to be a sinner. There's bad stuff happens to sinners. You know, I'm serious. You open the door for the devil, he comes in. I'm telling you, he does. You start doing a bunch of sinning, you're going to get hurt by the devil. Because that's what he does. He hurts people that get out. One time, I got to stop, but one time there's this lady. I love this woman to death. She was amazing. I mean, so amazing. But she, she fell away from the Lord. And I tried and tried my best to, you know, help her and communicate to her. And I, I kept talking to her about the grace of God. And she said, well, isn't there not grace for me still? I said, listen, I'm not worried about there being grace for you. There's going to be always be grace for you, but there's... What's going to happen to you between now and the time you get back into the grace of God is what concerns me. Because there's no grace to live in sin. There's no grace to do that. And that's what she did. And it really, truthfully, what I said to her was real prophetic. I hate it. Because it, really, it, it absolutely destroyed her life. She's not even alive today because of what she got into in those years. Now that's extreme, I know. But that was just one of the heartbreaking things. But... One of, you know, the Lord's good, you know, because it was killing me. And, and one day the Lord told me, you, this is what you have to do. You have to release her. Yeah. Let me say this, y'all. We are not responsible for other people's lives and decisions. There is no, you're not responsible even for your own children. You can't make their life work for them. You can't make them grow up and be successful. No pastor, no leader can help you 
they can help you, but they can't be responsible for your ultimate walking in God's call. And it's foolishness when the church tries to do that for people. So when people get sideways sometimes with me as a pastor because I'm not doing what they want them to do, a lot of times it's because, it's because they can't enter in themselves. There's something that they need to do. They're looking to me to do something that only God can do. And I'm not God, and nobody's God except God himself. I've, there's Jesus and there's all of us, and we're all on the same plane. Are y'all hearing this? Yeah. And it would help us all to find the Lord and really do the things that God asks us to do and get godly counselors and wisdom around us to help us, to guide us. But today, it's the path that God's given us. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.